Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Welcome back. As always, your host, Steve Opolinik, and you've joined us for episode 25. Our guest in this episode is Megan Christensen. Now, originally, I met Megan on Instagram after seeing a clip of one of her interviews for another podcast. And what really drew me to Megan was her conversation on that podcast about what she calls the dark night of her soul. Uh, Megan has been in recovery from alcohol addiction for the last four to five years, and I thought it'd be really great to have Megan on the podcast so that we could talk about what it was like for her to be in the midst of that addiction, to find recovery, to find her purpose, and her passion for life through coming through that addiction and just earlier parts of her life. And the podcast actually starts out talking about that stuff, which I think is really powerful, it then kind of transforms. Um, You know, this is a a very tough time for everyone in the United States and all the other countries of the world and the world in general. And, you know, the the interview naturally followed that lead. And instead of just being about Megan's journey and what she found helpful, we actually talked about what might be really helpful for everyone who is practicing social distancing, who are quarantining themselves away from family and friends, from work, and just how to find awareness and grace in this time period. A lot of what Megan talks about on this podcast was true for her own journey for recovery, and it actually holds true to what I think a lot of us could take away from this whole pandemic. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I wanted to put this out now because I think it's really relevant for what is happening for everyone everywhere. And it has some really good insight and and tips on how to regulate and bring awareness into this moment to process and move forward and to find the gift of connection. Something else that I wanted to point out, we do talk about addiction recovery and how during this time it's really hard to go to community meetings for addiction recovery. So there are a couple links in the show notes. Anyone who needs them, please check it out. They are just online links for people in recovery to attend meetings, AA meetings, community meetings, NA meetings, um, whatever you need to help you from relapsing or to help you just find connection in this rough time. So please check out the show notes. I know not everyone does, but I I do think this is a time that's really important to check out the show notes. It was a pleasure to have Megan on. I'm really excited about what she brought to the table. She has a passion and a grace for all of this work. And um, yeah, check her out on Instagram too. You can find her on the tag at wild recovery. She has a lot of inspirational stuff up on there too. So Without any further ado, 
Here's Megan Christensen, episode 25. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. Our guest today is Megan Christensen. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. How yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Now you're bouncing, yeah. you're bouncing up and down. Are you on a yoga ball right now? Oh my gosh, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I just got this. Fantastic. The other day, because I've got a lot of desk time now, so yeah, I have um, I have actually one that has a roller on the bottom, so it's more stabilized, okay. so that you can you know not fall off it if you're if you're being a little bit too too flexible with it yeah if i disappear from the screen you know what happened (laughs) so megan i actually became aware of you through instagram which i think a lot of um you know my guests i'm I'm meeting and 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 getting on the podcast are coming from there or linkedin or just different connections that we have and your tag Mm -hmm. on there is wild recovery and I think I actually outreached to you specifically because you were on another podcast about recovery. Um, mm-hmm. And I saw a small clip of that and I uh, figured you'd be a great guest for the show. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what makes you tick and, and some of your past um, trials and tribulations and some of your joys and passions? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, as my Instagram handle signifies, I am in recovery. I've been in recovery for about, it'll be five years this summer. So it's a really big accomplishment for me, yeah, actually, awesome. the biggest one of my life. Yeah, thank you. I definitely, you know, I have some really dark times leading up to my decision to enter recovery. I mean, I was homeless and I was, I was drinking from... I mean, the first thing I did when I opened my eyes in the morning to the last thing I did before I passed out at night. And that went on for several months. Um, yeah, it was a really dark time. I kind of referred to it as my dark night of the soul. Yeah. And um, wild recovery, I mean, for me, that's just, like, I love being outdoors. I mean, that's that's really where a lot of my passion lies and a lot of my interests are outdoor activities, so backpacking, camping, and hiking, and just anything that will get me outside into nature, in fresh air, under the stars, around a campfire, you know, just like immersed in the elements. Yeah. It's kind of what helps me to hit reset. So that's a really big part of my life, and it always has been since I was little. You know, I grew up in Texas, actually, and I moved to Colorado in high school. But in Texas, I was kind of surrounded by a concrete jungle, you know, yeah, yeah. just in the suburbs of San Antonio. And we had this ditch that was right next to our house that led to this rock quarry that I discovered one day when I was probably, I don't know, 10. And there was like this hole in the fence that I could climb through. You know, you kind of had to navigate around a bunch of prickly pears and whatnot. But it led to this huge, like, huge rock quarry. Oh, wow. Probably looking back, it's probably not that big now. But my little 10-year-old self, it was like this vast new world. I can refer it to, like, have you seen the movie Garden State? Yeah, I've seen that. Okay, so you know when they're, like, screaming on this little land island in the middle of this huge, just, like, you know, the beginning of this, this cavern kind of drops in, just a hole? Yeah. So it kind of reminds me of that. You know, I found this vast expanse of land, and it was, like, my own little world, you know? I, I remember seeing a coyote across the rim of the quarry, and that just awakened something in me, like... Mm-hmm. Even as a young girl, I just had this sense of wanting to go, 
You know, I just wanted to get out there on the land and, you know, surrounded by concrete and pavement. So that was, anyways, that little spot was kind of like my my uh, sanctuary, so to say. When things awesome. got really, yeah, and that, that just kind of stayed with me. I mean, that's where my love for nature and all that really began. And, yeah, I mean, ever since, I've just been um, finding all the ways that I can to get outside and just take advantage of, you know, our resources and the land that we have access to. Yeah, no, and I think it's, I think it is hard living in a city or, like you said, a, a concrete jungle of sorts to find these small things. And I remember I grew up on Air Force bases, mm. which um, had their 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 parts of land. Right, it's not as big as a city, but it's it's kind of the small microcosm of a city, and so. There were woods, there there were forests, there was a bunch of stuff going on. We actually used to navigate these weird pipes that ran all underground, and I, I think there were stormwater runoff. Um, and I remember going into them with friends with, like, he- headlamps, and we had to go in before a certain time because they flushed out at a certain time, and we didn't want to get <laughs> stuck in them. And looking back at it, I'm pretty glad I never knew about it or Stephen King's writing oh. at that time because I feel like I would have never done that. But it's it's kind of interesting how right. you find these small connections, these oases in, in some of these cities or even in the country. You know, I'm in Western Massachusetts right now, so we're surrounded by a bunch of forests, a bunch of trails, a bunch of stuff you can do. But you still have to find that that small oasis that that you kind of connect to and make sense from it. Right. Yeah. And you know, even if you are living in a huge city and and even an inner city, there's always places that you can find. I mean, there's always undeveloped places. I mean, sometimes, yeah, in particular cities, they're much harder to find. And it's just a matter of taking the time if you can to venture out, because yeah, nature is just like I mean, it's my medicine, man. You know, like it is. It really is especially in times right now where there's, you know, with this pandemic, this global pandemic, there's there's a lot of panic and um, the level of fear is, is running pretty high right now. A lot of that has to do with what many of us are exposed to. You know, I haven't watched television in, in a really long time, let alone a news broadcast in probably years. Yeah. You know, but still, I still get, you know, news updates on my phone and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of what I'm seeing is, is really intense imagery and like, you know, it is a real problem right now. There are many people that are suffering, you know, and we'll see what happens with our economy especially, but it's, it's really taking the time to ground yourself in the midst of all of this and nature can really help with that. Um, and another thing too right now is that, you know, for many individuals, like for myself, if I were still in active addiction, it would be very easy to become immersed in that lifestyle again. Right. Because it's a, it's an escape mechanism, right? That's what I used it for. It was a, a means to escape my reality, which was really uncomfortable at times. As it is, like, for all of us, it's part of the human experience. And I think that the value is really being able to find center in yourself without needing to reach for these substances and without the desire to escape. It's really just being with yourself and being okay with what's happening in the world. Well, you don't have to be okay with it, but it's a matter of, accepting terms as they are and you know thinking about how can you improve the circumstances and just your own community and and, and just your lifestyle and your way of being you know and i'm sure you're seeing this too where you are but a lot of communities are really coming together my neighborhood right now we've got like this neighborhood app that's actually what it's called this neighborhood app 
there's a lot of people that are posting, you know, their phone numbers and offering to help if anyone needs anything and leaving notes on neighbors' doors, you know, just like, hey, I'm right next door if you need anything. They're really looking out for our, our um, you know, our elders. Yeah. Because now, I mean, they are more susceptible. And even if we're healthy and we're young or, you know, we may not be carrying whatever this is, like, it's being respectful of those around us that may not healthy and who are more susceptible and at risk. Yeah, and I think, think, you know, there's a lot to what you just said in that short period of time to really focus on. One of the things I was really heartened by through this whole period was I have a lot of friends in the recovery community and they've been posting a lot of supports, online supports and, and meetings. And I think that connection to community and nature, so healing in in that kind of aspect, and the fact that your neighborhood is being so proactive, even to the point where people were putting Christmas lights back up around their house just to create something, an, an image of warmth and, and connection, I think, is really healing. And there's a lot that I think we're going to learn from this pandemic, I think, you know, just in community and nature and, you know, the government as well. But I think I have been really connected to this this idea that, you know, there's some healing that, that can come from this if we listen, if we're open to it, if we if we're generative in, in our approaches to it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. You know, I was talking with my older brother the other day and he said something that really stood out to me. And it's actually a common theme right now, you know, and it's it's been true in my experience is that um, opportunity is always, there's always opportunity in crisis, right? So it's a matter of finding that opportunity. Like, in what ways can I improve my lifestyle? In what ways can all these changes that we're making now, you know, carry down the road? You know, after this, it will pass someday, and we don't know what that's going to look like, but someday it will it will go away. <laughs> and, you know, hopefully that's a graceful uh, process. And in addition, transformation always succeeds crisis. You know, you'll find in a lot of historical events, like, there was a huge um, movement of coming together and community. And then I've noticed a trend, too. I mean, in just my lifetime, and I'm sure looking back, this, this trend may continue. But that um, that coming together, that sense of community tends to just kind of fall away after some time. Right. And I think it's really important to maintain sense of community because it's it's a theme I'm hearing this year going into 2020 it was just community 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 and so now I'm finding it interesting that we're literally in a position now where that's the necessity it's not just a choice anymore it is a necessity we you know we do come together to make it through hard times we're humans we need that connection it's part of our makeup so I think it's interesting to just see how you know with this event right now and, and, and how it's all unfolding how we are coming together, and I think the hardship is going to be maintaining that. And in what ways can we do that? And like you said, with the recovery movement, you know, a lot of it is going online now because we can't gather in meetings and all of that. And so, you know, there is a lot of benefit to that in certain ways um, because, you know, thinking about it moving forward for those individuals that maybe have really busy schedules and, like, it is important to have, like, in-person meetings, I think, in my experience especially in early recovery that's what kept me together was like right. in-person meetings and it's not so much a necessity for me anymore however it does still benefit you know but it there there can be a lot to 
you know, if you have tight schedules or you're raising children or, you know, life events happen, you know, there's there's online forums that you can come and gather and, and it's always there. It's always there to just tap into. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things I've been reflecting on a lot recently has been this idea of awareness and using that in my practice of, of counseling others and really talking to them about bringing awareness to different aspects of what's going on for them. Uh, and myself, I've, I've been through my meditation, through my, my journey in this kind of sense. I've been playing around with bringing awareness to whatever emotion I'm having and feeling that emotion and allowing that emotion to fully be there and then say, okay, I ha- I, I've experienced this and where do I move forward from that? And I think that's one of the things we're talking about is that in what you were talking about with recovery too is bringing awareness to the situation not running from it really okay I may not be able to do this right away but I can build these steps towards bringing awareness and and making a change and honoring that emotion or that situation and I think that's one of the things that will happen throughout this is you know it's putting a lot of stuff in front of us and challenging a lot of stuff that we have just kind of had going on in the background and, and haven't really been aware of. And I really do feel that coming together is, is the way to do it. And I think what will be interesting with this is in the past, those moments of coming together like 9-11 um, have been really, really strong for the United States but I feel like we dissipate from that when there's a common enemy, right? And then we do stuff to to address that enemy, and then that enemy is in the background again, and then we just kind of separate. And, you know, this is something that we don't really have an enemy, but we do have this challenge, this crisis, and it will be interesting to see how things unfold moving forward with having to, to build that community and stay in that community to rely on each other to not just for physical needs or financial needs, but just for spiritual needs and and healing. Right. Absolutely. And it's also an opportunity to reprioritize our needs. You know, there's a lot of panic buying going on right now. Um, I think certain levels of, you know, consumerism, so to say, are starting to fall away and people are just focusing on the, the necessities of food and, and, uh, well, toilet paper has been an issue. <laughs> it's been a huge issue. I think that's been a bit overblown, personally. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. People started reaching for toilet paper before before a lot of canned goods and food sold out. So Priorities um, are, yeah. are the TP, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I suppose so. It seems to be the, the theme right now. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is reprioritizing and what's really important in life. You know, I mean, there's talk about a two-week quarantine, and I believe California just hopped on that. Uh, New York, I believe, as well this morning. So I think that a lot of states might continue to follow suit. And I'm in Colorado right now, and so it's possible that maybe the state or the county, I know that San Miguel County here just went into a full um, shelter order a couple days ago. So, yeah, I mean, it's starting to spread, and so it's thinking about, well, where do you want to be? Who do you want to be with? You know, it's having us to really prioritize what's really important in our lives, you know, because wherever we're going to be, it's possible we may be there for a couple weeks, you know, save for some doctor's visits or grocery store runs and whatnot. 
But it's really interesting because um, all of this happened so quickly. You know, it still feels a little bit surreal in that regard, and it's difficult to know to what, like, how, in what ways can we really prepare? Because there's so much information out there, and there's so many sources. Oh my God, I've been digging left and right. And at the same time, it's very difficult to know what's true and what's not true. Right. But the way that I take it is to just take care of ourselves and take care of our fellows. How can we do that? Well, we can cultivate a mindful practice to help us to stay centered during this time. Like you mentioned meditation, that's an amazing one. I should be doing more of that lately. <laughs> you know, meditating for even just starting, if you're new to it, like what I remember when I first started, I would start with two minutes. I would set my timer because I've always, this, that's another reason I have this bouncy yeah. ball. Being still is a challenge for me. Yeah. So I start with two minutes and I just get centered and then every day I'd increase it by a minute until I got up to 20 minutes and then I would just maintain 20 minutes. And for me, that was like an easy to swallow. Right. And then I downloaded this amazing like 30-minute meditation that I was just following every morning. That's what I did before I looked at my phone, before I did anything like dialing into emails or social media or whatever, I would just do a meditation to center and set intentions for the day. So I think that that's a great way to start the day right now because, you know, with all, there's a lot of panic running amok. And honestly, that, that really doesn't serve us. So in what way can we drop in and just maintain a calm center to navigate these times? And then moving forward from that, like, you know, if we do go into some kind of shelter order or quarantine, movement is very important. In what ways can you get up and move around your house? You know, I think that we'll still be able to take short walks, like if it comes down to it. But there are so many online yoga forums and, um, like, at-home gym classes that are being offered to communities for free right now in light of what's happening, which is amazing. Right. So there is a lot at our fingertips that we can access and ways that we can continue to take care of ourselves through this. And, you know, again, with community, with loved ones, checking on with neighbors and just, you know, making sure that your people are taken care of and offering to help our elders. So I think that there's... In many ways, there's there's a lot of opportunity in, in this. And, you know, it's sad because it is affecting a lot of people globally in China and Italy, especially right now. You know, and just, like, taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. There's a quote by Rumi that I absolutely love. And I think it's, um, I was clever, I was once clever and I wanted to change the world. And then I was wise and I wanted to change myself. Not sure if those are the exact words, but you get the idea. It's basically like, in order to make the greatest impact into the world, it's it's starting with ourselves, right? And cultivating our own inner peace, developing our own practice for, you know, higher states of living, and and you know, in what ways can we be joyful through this? Not ignorant, you know, not naive, you know, still, you know being open to what's happening, like not turning the other cheek to it, that's not good. That doesn't help anyone. But, you know, helping ourselves first so that we can help others. I think it's such an important message that we don't really, we know it. It's it's trite in the sense that we, we talk about it all the time. Every time you take a flight, um, you know, there's a, we just did a fundraiser for the nonprofit where it was called Fill Your Cup. And it was all about self-care and self-love. And we actually get these cool coffee and tea mugs that we designed to have a teapot pouring self-care into the cup and had our logo on it. And it it came out really good. Wow. But it's a message that's repeated so much, but not really, 
you, you know, no awareness is brought to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, you can't pour from a, an empty cup. Oh, you have to take care of yourself so you can take care of others. But it's a message that gets lost just in the hustle bustle. Oh, no, but we have to do this. We have to do this. We have to do this. And I do think this is a really good time to start doing some of that introspectiveness of, okay, I have this time at home. I'm with my family. A lot of people are posting memes about, oh, day three and you're a mess. And, you know, there is that societal norm of, oh, when things are stressful, go to wine or alcohol and things of that nature. And I think the real gift of this, because I do think there are gifts to this pandemic, and I know that sounds, I don't know how people will take that, but I do think there is a gift to this to be able to be introspective and spend time on, you know, doing some of that self-care, really looking at what's important to you, who's important to you, and how to cultivate those practices. You know, meditation is one of those things I talk to people a lot about in session and outside of session, and so many people are like, "Uh, I can't do it. And I think what's missed with it is it's not that you can't, but that it's a discipline, right? So like what you were saying of doing two minutes and then slowly building that you approached it as a discipline that you have to build the tolerance of sitting still. You have to build up your ability to do it. And the biggest thing with it, I think is consistency. You know, I don't really care. Well, I don't really care if you meditate or not. That's not important to me, right? That should be important to you if you want to do it. Important to me is if I meditate or not. And I don't really care if I can do a 90-minute meditation once a month. I'd rather do 15, 20 minutes every day to build that practice and to get that relief instead of doing 90 minutes and get that relief for that day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's where you start to see the benefit, too, is with consistency. Because you know that, well, with meditation, actually, you will notice a difference right away. At least that was my experience. I began my day with meditation. When I begin my days with meditation, the rest of my day tends to be a little bit more graceful. Because when challenges arise, I'm able to, you know, respond rather than react, so to say. Yeah. So I found that it's extremely helpful. And, you know, speaking of discipline, recovery is the same way. You've got to continue to build discipline, especially in early recovery. Oh, my goodness. I was hanging on by a thread for, like, the first six months. And then the first year, I mean, I mean, you know, there's challenges every day. And the first year of my recovery was so challenging because I had to learn a new way to live. Right. I no longer had my go-to. I mean, that was my solution to all my problems it was also like the foundation of all my problems you know so letting go of that it it took it took so much discipline and you know with discipline you can cultivate all kinds of characteristics and qualities moving forward from there I mean challenges breed hardship I mean challenges and hardship breed resiliency and that's an amazing quality to have because then when challenges arise you're able to learn to respond rather than react. Right. And, you know, that's another opportunity within this, within this pandemic is in what ways can we respond rather than react to it? You know, it's not, getting, it's not really giving in to the fear and the panic, but more staying informed. And in what ways can you help? In what ways can you take care of yourself and your family and your loved ones and your neighbors? 
So yeah, you know, for a lot of individuals that are at home and with their families and a lot of couples that are working at home together now, I mean, yeah, there's going to be some strife and there's going to be, you know, a little bit of challenges that arise or a lot of challenges that arise. And how are you going to choose to navigate through those? Are you going to become stronger through this or are you guys going to become, or will we become weaker, you know, in this whole experience? So in what ways can we become stronger through it? You know, not just within our community, but our, our family units and our family dynamics and, you know, with our fellows. So there's a lot, a lot to consider here. And again, like, there, there really is no way to know what's going to happen. You know, the way that I see it is, like, I could give in to the fear and the panic. And honestly, it's really easy to do so because that fear, it creates some kind of reaction in the body where it's, like, it can be... It can be like a, a, a thrill almost, some kind of, I don't know if it's adrenaline or what, but it creates some kind of response in the body, which is why I think so many people, you know, choose to be susceptible to it because it's just like, ah, you know, it gives this, this something. Yeah. And at the same time, it's like, you know, that, that really doesn't help in any way, shape, or form. Fear does not help. Fear does not help to improve the situation. You know, it's, it's maintaining a clear head so that we can properly navigate through this. Yeah, so so let me just point out, I feel like in talking to you, there's this real sense of grace and, and real sense of empathy, right? And then I, I feel anyone who's listening listening to this right now is going to see that. I'm wondering, is that something that's developed over your path of recovery, or is that something that you've always had, and maybe that's been some of the, the cloudiness that was related to, you know, your addiction? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm giggling because, wow, that's such a great question. And, you know, actually both answers certainly resonate with me. I was giggling because I certainly have not always been a graceful person. And I, you know, and anyone that knows me can certainly agree with that. There has been times where I was just a hurricane running rampant and destroying everything in its path. And I truly feel that that's how some of my um, addiction was and how it affected others. You know, dear relationships close to me, I nearly destroyed because of my addiction. And I'm not always graceful either. Um, I still have my moments. I still have anxiety and I still have worries. And I, you know, and I still have all these, you know, human emotions that can at times overcome me. And it's a matter of cultivating a practice that can help, like meditation, movement for me and nature again. And also maintaining a clear mind because, you know, when I was drinking, that would just make it worse. Like, sure, it was a temporary fix. And it it worked for a little bit. You know, in the beginning of my drinking, it worked really well, which is why I kept doing it. And then it just, you know, the, the problems really started to outnumber the solutions. And so it became an increasingly large issue for me. It was gradual, though. You know, actually, looking back, I could probably say I always had an alcohol problem for the first time I put a drink to my lips. Like, my very first time drinking, I blacked out. So there's definitely always been issues there. It was easy for me to ignore them for several years until it started to really interfere with my lifestyle and my relationships and my loved ones and, you know, just every aspect of my life, work and everything. And so to answer your question, I do believe that my life has become much more graceful because of the practices I've had, because I no longer drink, and I chose chose that for myself. You know, in the beginning, I would I would do it for other people, 
because you know I, I had it I went into rehab for a while and I I had um, there I tried like every modality that you could imagine and you know eventually I found a few things that worked for me and you know by allowing myself to be open to different modalities I was able to choose what worked for me and what didn't and I just kept what worked for me and whatever did it I just released because those things do work for other people everyone's different like going into all these different uh, ways of healing and recovery it's just keeping an open mind without judgment and just trying trying everything because that's how you figure out what works for you so you know for me it was time in nature and meditation and movement was huge it still is huge if I if I don't go for a hike or a bike ride or even just walk my dogs I get so antsy and restless and like irritable and discontent and you know those usual feelings that would lead me to drink so you know it's just been it's been extremely powerful to learn more about myself and in what ways I can you know work for me to cope with challenges and every year I grow more and more through it like I'm still learning about myself and I'll continue to you know keep learning about myself for like decades to come and it's exciting you know that that aspect doesn't scare me anymore yeah I think growing up you know I had an addiction to food, a behavioral addiction to eating my emotions. And it took me a really long time to balance that, find a way back from that, to, to work on managing my emotions, sitting with my emotions, honoring my emotions so that they didn't have this control over a behavior I, I really didn't enjoy because it, it made me obese and made me have low self-confidence. And really it part of it was admitting that I didn't know as much as I thought I knew right because when you have low self-confidence or at least when I have low self-confidence I get really rigid in in my understanding of things and say oh no that's not that's not right that's not what I align with that's not what I believe that's not what I know and that would just perpetuate things more and more the more I dug in my heels and thought I was the master of whatever it was we were talking about, the more it became an issue. And then what what I, I like to call, you know, my path of being a student and always looking at it as a new beginning or, you know, starting that as the first time as a learner and being open to that is something that really changed my life and, and being able to acknowledge that I don't know everything and I'm interested in learning more. But really the end goal for me is not to be this master who sits in a cave in the woods and imparts knowledge to people, but to continuously learn and grow and, and kind of challenge my precepts to, to cultivate that growth. And, you know, I grew up on a bunch of Kung Fu movies and, and comic books. And so like that role of master is something I was, I was always chasing. And it's almost like when I let go of that, which oddly enough happens in Kung Fu movies all the time. Uh, that's when the real, growth and learning begins and I, I love that you were able to to talk about it too about releasing stuff that doesn't work and finding what works for you because especially in the recovery community but then also in the healthcare industry and and you know in these systemic goals there's oh this this approach works this is what we're going to offer we're not going to pay for other things and I I think that's the wrong way to approach healthcare because there are so many different modalities that work for people 
mm-hmm. and don't work for people. So we need to have a plethora, a rainbow of them uh, so people can find what does truly work. Right. Absolutely. And I, I love that analogy. You know, it's, it's like, choose your favorite colors out of the rainbow. <laughs> like, what, what truly works for you? And in order to figure that out, you've got to try different things, you know? And, and so, yeah, I mean, that's been very powerful for me. And some of my uh, things that have worked for me, too, um, to help me get to where I am today are, are you know, alternative, alternative methods that are not extremely popular but have shown immense benefits. So, you know, for example, plant medicine. That's a big part of my story. And if it weren't for, you know, some of my experiences in that arena, I, I don't think I'd be where I am today. And that's, you know, that's not going to be true for, for a lot of people, and it'll be true for some others. So, you know, again, it's just realizing what works for you by trying different things. And I'm not saying in no way, shape, or form, disclaimer, <laughs> my go out and have a plant medicine experience that is for you to decide. It has been my personal experience that, it was immensely beneficial. So that's what I'll say to that. And, you know, also I want to talk a bit more, if you're open to it, about um, recovery options in light of today's current circumstances. Sure. Because, um, yeah, it's, it is challenging to find to find ways that work. And it's, it's different having, like, a gathering through a screen for a lot of people, especially in early recovery, that could be their lifeline for those in-person meetings and gatherings. So. Yeah, I'd love to dive into that a little bit. I just want to point out the whole rainbow thing popped into my mind because of your bookcase in the back. Your <gasps> oh, second yeah. shelf is like arranged by color, which I find is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. I had fun with that. I am such an organizer. Oh, my God. That's another thing that I've learned in my recovery is that I'm a very clean, meticulous person. And I firmly believe, okay, and I'll share this because it's really helped me too, that an organized environment makes for an organized state of mind. So if my environment, my home isn't clean and organized, then my my thoughts tend to be more chaotic. Uh, my work tends to be less productive and more chaotic. So, yeah, I'm. <laughs> that's just like that. That's such a great example of how my mind <laughs> works <laughs> in terms of organization. So, um, so yeah, yeah, let's jump into to what you had just brought up. Right. So you know, as far as recovery. Um, in light of in light of today's circumstances, you know where there's a lot more isolation, um, and that doesn't mean in terms of like, you know, just isolating yourself 100% from the outside world. I mean, I do think it's still important to hop on meetings when you can, whatever kind of meeting that is. Like, even if it's just like you, you know, talking to with your friend who you can talk to about your struggles. Like having that opportunity to vent, because for me. Um, you know, with different, like I began with 12-step meetings for my first year, kind of going into two years, I was still pretty active, and then after three years, it kind of started to branch away, because I felt like, you know, I could, and, you know, I want to acknowledge that when I choose to attend 12-step meetings, it's still very beneficial. I mean, absolutely. I don't think it will never not be beneficial for me. Um, I've just also experience some other ways that that helped me in recovery so um i think that you know part of those meetings is like being able to relate to one another and share what could be weighing you down and seeking solutions together you know and even just talking about something helps so much you know that's that's the reason why journaling is so powerful because you're able to get thoughts out of your head right so whether you're doing it verbally or you're doing it 
you know, through written words. I mean, it can really help a great deal. So trying to just make sure that you stay connected with your people and, you know, having some kind of, you know, uh, get-together meeting, even if it's just through a screen. Like, it's still more than isolating yourself because my heaviest addiction was when I was isolating myself. And it's very easy to feel like you can get away with anything when it's just you, right? right? So... You know, and and that speaks on so many levels, this idea of connection, of community. um, It's really regulating to your nervous system because when you think about it, when you actually connect with someone, even if it's one person, you have to, to actually connect with someone creates a sense of calmness in your nervous system, right? You may be having a ton of emotions. You may be releasing a lot of stuff, but... He, being heard and being valued by someone creates calmness in your nervous system. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it evolutionary wise, it makes sense. If you're in a sympathetic nervous system, you're running or fighting a saber tooth tiger or whatever, you're not really geared towards connecting with people. Or one of the examples I really like from this book, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's about Buddhism and, and neuroscience and, and I love it. Um, is this idea of we prioritize as, as our, our brains prioritize safety over reward. So safety, like choices of safety, a lot of times will be five times as strong as choices of rewards. And the way they break it down is if you're in Jurassic Park and a T-Rex is after you, you're thinking about staying safe and running away, right? You may have thoughts of hunger or, or hey, there's a fish on the side of the road, I should grab that for later. But that's going to be superseded by that T-Rex, right? And so sometimes when we talk about this stuff, I kind of went off topic, but this idea of connection, if we're in in this, if we can't, it's really regulating, right? Because, you know, it can actually slow us down and say, oh, I'm being valued, I'm connected. And that's why, you know, tribalism and, things of the past were so important. That's why this idea of it takes a village to raise someone is also really important. And we've stepped so far away from it mm-hmm. to be isolative in, in our practices. And I think it's really one thing we have to prioritize And this. And just in general is reconnecting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. There's so much truth to that because you know, in this day and age with social media, there are so many people that choose to just connect with one another through social media. And they can just stay at their home and feel like they're connecting through a screen. But what many people don't realize is that a lot of it is like it's a false sense of connection because you are still isolated in a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know, now there can be certain levels that you can reach with connection through a screen. Absolutely. And I want to reiterate that, especially in light of what's happening right now. And when you have the option to connect in person, you know, that should be fully taken advantage of because that's where you start to really feel that sense of connection, that sense of deep connection. You know, when you can have conversations in person and connect and, and make, you know, in-person eye contact, that's when you start to really feel a lot of those benefits. And so, you know, right now, I mean, we take what we can right now, which is through a screen for the time being for many people across the world. So do that. I mean, do all that you can. And at the same time, like you were saying with those studies, well, there was another study done with babies, and when they were given the choice between love, like a like a human-to-human connection, like whether it was a hug or whatever, and food, well, they would choose love every time. 
they wouldn't choose food. They would keep going for love. And that's just how we're wired is through that connection. And yes, I want to reiterate that again, is that that's such a strong point and not just, you know, our community as it is now, our collective, but, you know, also in recovery. That's that's such a huge aspect of, of recovery is, is being able to establish that connection with others. And so, yeah, there's a lot of online forums um, that you can do that through right now. There's, like, you know, online meetings and whatnot, and there's also online coaching, addiction recovery coaching. Like, Being True to You is an amazing resource to use for that. And then there's a lot of other forums that, that are, you know, centered around recovery and coaching on online. So there are a lot of resources to explore right now. You know, so there are ways to, to substitute, you know, our lack of, these gatherings and whatnot, but it can be done. And again, it's so important to to choose to center yourself to cultivate certain practices rather than choose to escape from our current reality because that's just going to create more problems down the road. Right. It may seem like a temporary fix now, but it will have consequences. There's always consequences to every action. So what way do you choose to navigate this time? I mean, do you want to check out of it completely and not know what's happening and stay ignorant, turn the other cheek? Because that is, in a sense, what, what you know, that, that's the choice that someone would make if they were choosing to escape through substances, you know, to a certain extent. It's like it goes into abusing them. That's, that's what right. I'm talking about. Right. You can handle your booze, like, and you want to have some wine here and there, totally. I'm speaking to those of us who have a problem with it because it can really be easy to want to escape into addiction when things get rough. You know, so, yeah, I think that it's very important to consider in what ways can you center yourself and make the choice to be present, especially right. right now. We need presence in order for us to gracefully navigate through this. I 100% agree with that statement. Um, I feel like we could talk so much more about this. <laughs> um, so I'm going to actually post some of those uh, those things that we t just talked about on the show notes so anyone listening if you if you want any references or online meetings or, or things that you can utilize in this time when face-to-face -face may be really limited they'll be in the show notes uh, so you can check those out and they'll be really good resources just to outreach to awesome so uh, I always finish the podcast with two questions, so I'm going to throw them out to you, and you can answer them in either order, but I'll, I'll tell you both. Um, so as I mentioned before, I'm a huge geek, so first question is, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? And then the second question is, what do you believe your superpower is? Oh, okay, so to answer your first one, I don't even have to think about those. Okay, so... The first one is actually, it's not really a superpower because actually some individuals like today are able to do this. And I think it's the photographic memory where everything you read just stays with you. Like you remember everything you read. Right. If I could choose any like quote unquote superpower, that would be it. If I were able to remember, memorize everything I read, like have you ever watched Criminal Minds? Um, I've, I've seen like some clips, but I, I've never actually sat down and watched an episode. No worries. So one of the characters on it, um, for anyone listening who may be familiar with the show, but Reed is his name and he's able to just like memorize everything that he reads. And so that to me would be absolutely amazing because then, I mean, there's so much knowledge to be gathered 
especially today. I mean, there's more information than there's ever been before. And if I had that ability to retain all the information, like, I just feel, you know, like I could help, you know, share that in, in better ways, you know, with others and in creative ways. Like, I, I love writing and I love reading. So, yeah, I'm kind of a geek, too, in that way. So I definitely would love to have that power. And perhaps there are ways to kind of cultivate that skill, you know, if you into cognitive function and ways that you can improve, you know, and, and all of that. Like, yeah, I'm sure that there are ways. Um, and I'm sure that takes quite a bit of time. Like, my older brother, that's, like, his, that's his area of expertise is, is uh, cognitive fun function, and um, especially after traumatic brain injuries. So I just need to pick his brain a little bit more. Yeah. But anyway, that's the answer to that first question would be uh, photographic memory, photogenic, yeah, photographic memory. <laughs> And then, it has looks good, and when you take pictures of it, I'm right, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, and then I believe my superpower is resiliency, because you know many of us have been through challenges and hardships, and be able to come out of that stronger on the other side, and and be able to, you know, have new ways to respond rather than react to challenges. I think that that can go a really long way, because. Not only does that help yourself, but it can also set an example for others. Because it's so easy to, you know, go into freak-out mode, especially, you know, today. And really, that doesn't serve yourself, and it doesn't serve the collective. So, you know, in what ways can we, we come out of this more resilient on personal levels and, you know, in, in broader terms, you know, on global levels? So, Fantastic. That's awesome. I think that's a great superpower to have. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, any last words of wisdom or philosophies you want to throw out to the listeners before we end? Hmm. Well, continue working on yourself, and you know that's where a lot of our empowerment comes is within, so that we can really contribute in a positive way to the greater world around us. So, really, just what ways can you, can you improve yourself right now and help others? Fantastic. Well, I'm so grateful and, and honored to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate all your words of wisdoms, <laughs> wisdoms, all your words of wisdom. And uh, I just really feel like you bring uh, empathy and grace to, to what you talk about and what you do. So thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for, you know, the work that you're doing and showing up and you know, spreading positive information and raising the vibration. I mean, really, it, it, I'm not kidding. Like, it, there can be such a great impact made in our world on individual levels. So the more work that we do on ourselves, the more that we can help one another as a result. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at the Promethean Project.org. If you want to learn more about the Promethean Project or if you would like to donate to our cause, you can reach us at the Promethean Project.org. If you really do enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends. Please like our posts on social media and Instagram and on Facebook. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to. Again, thank you for taking a listen. And remember that the most important step is always the next one.